And welcome in, everybody. It is Sports Daily, and it is a full-fledged football week here. And boy, are we excited to have it for you, ready to go. We got the appetizer, the college football, the high school football. Now we get the NFL back, the Chiefs. Uh, in action in just a couple of days. I'm Jacob Albrock alongside Tommy Castor, Jad Chambers producing for us. And here we go in earnest into the football season. We mentioned the Chiefs, Dan Israel, Chiefs uh, radio executive producer, joining us top of the next hour to get the latest on the Lions, on Chris Jones. There's some reports out this morning that I think are a little bit deceptive. So we'll get into all of that. It's all available for you. The IHOP hotline is wide open at 869-1240. IHOP hotline brought to you by IHOP, where guests can enjoy four new sweet and savory biscuit options. We've got K-State and KU with a game in the books. Uh, we've got Coach Prime with a game in the books. we got all kinds of good stuff going for you here today. Glad to be here with you. We'll have some giveaways on the program, one more pair of Pentatonics tickets to give away. We'll give away some HTO, some Wichita Wind Surge. It's all here for us. We're jacked up. We're ready to go. Tommy, it's the start of the fantasy football season. It's a real start of the betting season for all intents and purposes. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, it is exciting. It's it's good to be here back from the long holiday weekend. You know, we got, uh, you know, some big time college football games over the weekend, some big time upsets. A lot to get to on the show today. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we got, man, we'll, we'll get into both KU and K-State today uh, as they both get very nice, comfortable wins. I think a lot to think about out of both of those games under center. Uh, Dylan Edwards for Colorado, the former Derby product, was fantastic. Uh, his best friend growing up, Avery Johnson, got the game time at, you know, at, in, in cleanup duty for K-State. And I think that's pretty meaningful for a lot of reasons. So we'll get into all of those things. Let's start, Tommy, here off the top, though. Uh, this was, I, I mean, I tell, I just saw this. So I saw this in, in this order. There's a Twitter account named Dove Kleiman or Dove Kleiman. I, I, I don't even know if this is a real person. I think it is. But he says, the Vikings, just, Justin Jefferson, the Bengals, Joe Burrow, the 49ers, Nick Bosa, and Chris Jones of the Chiefs, most importantly to us, currently have record deals, extension offers on the table, according to Diana Rossini. And I'm like, what record deals like all right so then i go to diana Rossini to look at her actual report and this is what it says we have football this week and there are four contract extensions on the table for players that are generational talents joe burrow nick Bosa, chris jones and justin jefferson these are all future hall of famers that could respectively sign record deals like couldn't be more off with what he said versus what she's reporting She's just reporting that they have offers on the table. She's not reporting that they have record deals. She said they're talented enough players that they could have record deals. Yeah, sure, they could have. But I don't think they do. <laughs> or they'd be signing those deals. So uh, just be careful with uh, what you see there and how it's, especially when it's regurgitated and secondhand. No, I don't think there's a record deal on the table for Chris Jones. I don't think that's what he was even reported. So uh, let's not misconstrue that is the deadline for the Chris Jones deal now, Tommy. I mean... Maybe there's a couple of plays he could come out and play, but, you know, it doesn't certainly doesn't look like Jones will be there for, you know, a game in two days. Yeah, they're not going to have him on Thursday. I, I just don't see a scenario where they've got him out on the field uh, on Thursday. And there was some reporting over the weekend from Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk uh, about what kind of what, what Chris Jones is looking for. And you read that report and it clearly comes from Jones's agents. Like, you know, they're the ones that are planting the stories to Mike Florio. 
uh, and talking about how, you know, there's kind of a number that's in the middle, that's kind of a middle ground. But at the end of the day, the bottom line is that they play football in just over 72 hours. And I have a hard time thinking, or just under 72 hours, I have a hard time thinking that we're going to see Chris Jones whatsoever on Thursday night. And more than likely, I mean, we're probably not going to see him for, for a while. Um, you know, so at this point, I, I think we're splitting hairs about what this contract offer potentially is on the table, you know, what he wants, what the Chiefs are willing to go to. Because if there was a deal to be done, I mean, I think it would have been done long ago. Yeah, well, I, there could still be a deal to be done, but it's not like currently there, right? So a concession will have to be made one way or the other. So we'll see. You know, the, the Chiefs are going to have to try to, you know, navigate the early portion of the season without him, and that'll be an interesting challenge. I think we all like their secondary, but we have concerns about the defensive line if he's not there. You know, so we'll, it's going to play itself out that way, and the Lions will be a good test because the Lions will try to run the ball. You know, we'll, we'll see what the Chiefs are able to do because the Lions, that's what they want to do. They want to run the ball. Everything they've told us about the way they've constructed the roster tells us that. They're thin at wide receiver anyway. So this will be a really interesting challenge for the Chiefs right out of the gates as the Lions would like to keep them off the field um, and, and you know, play the, play the game that way. So we'll have more on the Chiefs, more on this situation with Dan Israel coming up at the top of the next hour, our first visit of the year with Dan. We're looking forward to that you know, sort of uh, get a recap on everything and look ahead here at, you know, life with or without Chris Jones. or And that's the thing, too. Like, I don't think anybody really knows what's going on there. Clearly, his teammates don't at this point. The coaches seem like they don't care at this point. They just got to move on without him. So, you know, it's really up to the to the highest level, the front offices. And you hear that Chris Jones's agents were in town last week trying to get the final details of that deal done. Uh, that will all play itself out. What a weekend, Tommy, of football. You know, we had all kinds of things happening. It's interesting. We said that, you know, Colorado coming to the Big 12 was a big deal, and Colorado would be the most interesting story early in the college football season. That all played itself out. I'm not sure we saw it go that way, right, with a win over TCU on the road in Fort Worth. I do think that we got to caution ourselves a little bit with TCU. They've got to replace everybody. TCU might have been the preseason number 17. That's just because they made the national championship last year. I mean, they, they didn't return anything, basically. So I don't know what to make at TCU at this point. But I do know that Colorado's got some dudes. Um, do they have enough dudes overall? We'll see. But Prime can coach. His son can play quarterback. Uh, you know, Hunter is like a Shohei Otani of football, apparently. And Dylan Edwards, the local kid, looked like he belonged. I don't think any of those things surprise me, Tommy. It's just winning on the road as a three-touchdown dog probably, you know, does surprise me a little bit. Well, and you also have to keep in mind that I think everybody knew that the skill position players were going to be extremely talented for Colorado. You just had questions about the defense. I think those questions are still there. I mean, you know, they gave up a ton of points to TCU. So now I think that there are question marks still there. Uh, and then, you know, some of those other positions like on the line and other things like that, that, you know, made you question about how far along Colorado was actually going to be in year one. I think that's a big reason why, you know, generally speaking, I think expectations were tempered a little bit. And of course, the hype has always been there, you know, from day one of Dion coming into Colorado and, you know, just that, that overall prime train going into Boulder. 
you know, th- there was that thought process of, okay, are they actually going to be any good? Uh, like, can they win football games? I think that most people thought that they would improve from that 1-11 team that, you know, they put on the field a year ago. I'm not sure really anybody thought this would happen, though. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. I, it doesn't. It doesn't surprise me as much as it surprised some people. I don't think it was like the perfect storm of like drama and all of these things in a in a in a an amazing way to kick off the college football season for for all intents and purposes. And I know the college football season had technically started already, and you had some games on Friday. And like for KU fans, it had already started. But like that first window of the first full you know Saturday of college football. All lies were there, and it just, you know, they they just, I guess, reinforced everything. And I'm not sure why there was so much doubt. I, I, I don't think I had it, but I wasn't paying attention to all of it. I, I guess there was a, you know, a feeling that some of these guys wouldn't be able to translate over from Jackson State, but, you know, the players that everybody was amazed with, like, I was like, well, these are all top recruits. Like, I, why does that surprise anybody? I think the coolest part is... What we saw, you know, clearly they were prepared at a high enough level, Tommy. Like, they were coached at a high enough level. That, to me, was the bigger question. It wasn't the players. It was, can you go from coaching, right, at the FCS level to coaching at the FBS level? And I've always said, coaches can coach, can coach, can coach. So I don't mind when guys are, you know, elevate, like Chris Kleiman, for instance, similar thing. Like, if guys win at that level forever, Brian Kelly was that way, he was a Grand Valley State forever. Like, if, if you're a great coach, you're a great coach. And clearly Prime is. You know, like, whatever it is that he's doing is working. You know, I don't think they're all of a sudden going to win 10 games and compete for the Pac-12 title. But, boy, I based on what we saw, like, I don't know, like, with those kinds of talents, like, if everything goes well for them, I think they could be in the mix. You know, it, yeah. it's not outrageous. You know, and, and you mentioned Travis Hunter. I mean, that dude is so incredible. By the way, after the game, still got him at 101 to, to Heisman. Like, yeah, I, a two-way player? You kidding I love me? That. I mean, the number of snaps that he was on the field, um, uh, you know, both sides of the ball, incredibly impless- impressive. And the playmaking ability that he's got, uh, I mean, just watching play after play after play, it didn't matter if he was catching passes or, or knocking them down or intercepting passes. Uh, I mean, he was incredible. Dylan Edwards, you mentioned, you know, him belonging. Yeah, he absolutely belongs. Uh, and just the way that, you know, the motor that he has, and, and we've known that for a long time, right? Like we've known the kind of special talent that he is. Um, what he did for Colorado, though, in that game, I mean, they don't win on the road at TCU without Dylan Edwards. No. I mean, Tommy, Dylan Edwards was one of the best players we saw play college football this weekend. Now, again, that doesn't surprise us because I haven't seen right. as like, you know, let's go back to like Brees Hall in high school. Brees Hall was like as complete a player, but in, in a, just an incredible player who became one of the great college running backs of all time. Dylan Edwards was a different kind of like jump off the screen talent at you, like very different just like the wiggle and the speed and the things that were there, we just you don't see that very often. That's what translated though for Colorado. And I don't think just to use those two guys, you know, comparatively because they're both local players, like I don't think we're gonna see Dylan Edwards do the things we saw Brees Hall do at Iowa State because he's never gonna be asked to do those kinds of things. 
but he's going to be an impact player like immediately for them. And and I am so glad, like, man, it would have been awesome to see him at K-State. But once he decided to leave K-State, right, and go to Notre Dame, I'm very glad that he ended up at Colorado because I think that you'll you'll have a guy there in, in prime who's just like, dude's got talent. Let's find a way to use him, right? There won't be any politicking. There won't be any you got to sit like he is going to get on the field, clearly, right? And yeah. that's probably why he ultimately chose to flip again and end up at Colorado. It's it's a perfect fit. Like, it really is a perfect fit. And the other thing is opportunity strikes, right? Like, he goes there, He and this is probably exactly what was told to him. Like, you come here, you're going to play. Like, we're going to use you immediately. And that's all he needed was an opportunity. And he clearly shows, like, okay, here we go. Yeah, and you know what? I watched the pregame with Coach Prime. I watched the actual game. I watched his post-game press conference. We all know, we've known it for 30 years, the kind of hype that Deion Sanders brings everywhere he goes. You know, we, we know that, right? Uh, but my, my number one prevailing thought while watching that on Saturday was, I know why these kids want to play for Coach Prime. Like that, and that's really all it comes down to because he believes in them. Like he believes yeah. in them and he's more vocal about it than you would hear from any other coach on any other program in America. Now, I'm not saying that other coaches don't believe in their kids. They absolutely do. But, you know, there's that coach speak and they're going to say the right things and they're going to, you know, try to temper down the like that's not the way Coach Prime operates. He's like, I'm going to build up these kids publicly and I'm going to do everything I can to let them know that I want them here. And, uh, you know, I, I believe in them and they're talented. That was the number one prevailing thought. You know, yeah, he's got antics. He's loud. You know, he's boisterous. He, he's, he does all those things we've known that he does for years and years and years. But watching the way that he was on the sideline, watching him celebrate his players in postgame, all of that, I'm just like, man, I, I get it. I get why Dylan Edwards went to Colorado. Like, even more yeah. so than just, like, the fact that he was going to get the opportunity to play. It was more like, all right, I get why. He wants to play for this guy at this program at this time. I think that it's an it's a unique situation. Deion Sanders is one of the greatest football players we've ever seen, period. Like, one of the greatest college players we've ever seen, one of the greatest NFL players we've ever seen, one of the greatest athletes we've ever seen. Dude played baseball professionally. Like, just one of the great athletes of all time. No matter what he does as a coach— he will be remembered as a player. This isn't like some reputation. Like there's nothing that Deion Sanders is going to gain here in the minds of like in the history books that will outdo what he did as a player. Nothing will. So what can happen is he just like for all the right reasons, like he's got kids this age, like he clearly has interest in the kids and them being successful. Like it's, it's so obvious to all of us. And that's what the great coaches do, right? Like great coaches have that in mind before anything else. And he has that. So now it's like, it's, it's almost laughable that people are like, oh, but can he coach at this level? You're like, guys, this is one of the greatest players that's ever played. You don't think he knows football? Like, and he did it at a position that like, there's a reason shutdown corners are, are coveted like that. Like it's one of, he did one of the hardest things you can do on a football field too. So 
Nope, no surprise to me at all. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I hope he's there for a long time. And I can't wait for him to come to the Big 12. And they'll be must-see TV. We mentioned Dylan Edwards. Uh, one of his best friends growing up, Avery Johnson. Also a big story. Let's start with K-State as we make our way through the uh, you know the weekend recap here. The Cats look fantastic against SEMO. Avery Johnson got everybody excited. Uh, and Will Howard was, you know, historically good, but it was kind of Avery Johnson in the in the aftermath. But we'll talk about that next. Sports Daily, it's all Brockton Caster. Chad Chambers producing the IHOP Hotline is open at 869-1240. We'll be right back. This is Sports Daily on KFH. All right, welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us on the video stream. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch. Uh, glad to be here uh, with you on this Tuesday. We don't really have, like, reaction Monday. It's sort of a reaction Tuesday after the long holiday weekend. We got a lot of college football in. We get the NFL. We'll Dan Israel, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, joining us top of the next hour. Uh, let's start to dive into what we saw from KU and K-State. We'll start with the Wildcats. You heard them right here on KFH. That was cool. Uh, Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster here, by the way, with you. Jad Chambers producing. Uh, b- before we do this, let's give away something here, Jad. Let's give away some uh, HTO. Here's what, I'll, here's what i got to tell you. This is, of course, a shameless plug, as it usually is. So it, I, I had very little voice this weekend and did uh, the CBS show. Tommy has the same affliction now, and you can probably hear it in his voice a little bit today. Yeah. You're, you're on the good side, Tommy. It gets better. Uh, I, you know, I survived, and I hadn't had this. This true story. I had not had hot tea. My wife and I run the HTOs. I had never tried the hot tea. So I got hot tea. It was amazing. It was a miracle thing. Like, I, I had two, like, massive cups of it. And just like every other, and that's how I got by. So you can always order hot tea uh, at HTO, uh, at least at the East location you can. By the way, I've said I've told you that I was going to tell you when the Derby store is opening. That's not my wife and I, but we're we're close with you know that local ownership group. We're very happy for them. They're going to open on September fifteenth. So September fifteenth, next Friday, is when the Derby location of HTO will open up. These cards that we give away here, and I've talked to you know. Uh, Leah there who's opening that and she's she's all on board with these cards that we give away here on Sports Daily working for her store too. Uh, so starting the 15th, these free iced tea cards that we give away and free coffee cards will work there as well as the two Wichita locations. Let's give away a couple iced tea cards now. Uh, 869-1240 is the number to call on the IOP hotline to get yourself two free iced tea cards from HTO, uh, two locations in Wichita coming soon in Derby. Those will work for you. More than 25 flavors. Check it out. Uh, Jad will get us a winner. First caller right now. All right, K-State, Tommy. So it was interesting. It was everything we wanted to see. Like for me, like every single thing we wanted to see out of that game, we saw. And K-State looked just incredibly impressive. Uh, they they just had their way. They didn't let SEMO do anything offensively, right? They They had six yards rushing. That's what we want to see, right? They're going to have some passing yards when they get just housed like they got housed. It was a shutout, which is hard to do, especially when you're playing a lot of players. It just, a, I mean, almost a perfectly scripted performance from K-State, I thought, to open the season. 
that's exactly what you have to have when you're playing an FCS opponent. Like you don't want there to be any kind of drama. Uh, you don't want there to be any kind of question coming out of that game. You know, you want to handle your business and you want to do it in a way that is pretty decisive. And that's the way that it worked for Kansas State in that opening game. I'm with you. It was everything that you wanted to see from the Wildcats uh, against a, a team that, yeah, they're FCS, but they're a good FCS team. You know, they, they're a ranked F- FCS team. And so with what they were able to do defensively in stopping the run from SEMO, what they were able to do offensively in running the football, and then Will Howard having a really good game, of course, an abbreviated game because they they pulled him out, which is, again, something you want to see when you're playing an FCS opponent. Yeah, it was everything that you uh, that you wanted from the Wildcats in that opening game. You know, the line, by the way, closed at minus 28. And I, I remember, like, right before the game started, I'm like, that should be a breeze for Kansas State to cover that. Uh, and it ultimately ended up being that way. Uh, you know, so again, a pretty decisive, dominant victory for the Wildcats. They showed why they were deserving of their highest preseason ranking uh, in like what, close to 20 years uh, on, yeah. on Saturday. Like they, they showed that. Uh, and so, yeah, like absolutely impressive. Really nothing bad to say about their performance. No, I mean, Will Howard had an interception. I mean, I, you know, like, okay. Uh, K-State's going to be, and I won money with them too. They're going to be a really interesting betting team early, Tommy, because of the way the defense played there. That's what really opens things up to me. So, like, for instance, right now against Troy, who's, you know, Troy's usually pretty good at home, 15.5-point favorites. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the cats again because their defense appears to be there. If their defense is there at a high level, and we've heard like Fitz has told us, like there's a chance that this defense could be even better, even though they have some questions to answer, they do have a lot coming back. So they're they're an interesting team to think about that way. Of course, the other big thing that happens in this game, and you know, Giddens looked good, Ward looked good, uh, as far as the backfield, R.J. Garcia looked great. That was the other big question, right, is are they going to have enough there? Phillip Brooks was, you know, good as always and consistent. But R.J. Garcia was really good. And Senate, we know, like I saw that Senate was, by the way, I think Bell Kuyper's third-ranked tight end coming out of the, you know, pot prospects, which yeah. is fantastic to see because uh, that could go up because they're really going to lean on him. But we saw everything. We, You know, Will Howard picked up right where he left off, and then Avery Johnson comes in. So the speculation here has always been, at least for me, it was like, from what I've heard coaches and everybody say, is that Avery Johnson is going to help this team this year play in big games. And so for me, I'm like, I don't think we're going to see him. I don't think we're going to see him because if they try and hold that red shirt, there's no sense in using him against SEMO when they might need him late in the year, right, in a Big 12 game. Okay, that was a, that was an, an outrageous thought. Well, he comes in. And it takes me back to what Wyatt Thompson said that we've all thought, you know, quietly and maybe not said as loud, you know, out loud, is that what's the point of redshirting Avery Johnson if he's as good as we think he's going to be? He's not going to stay here five years. So, okay. I think, and it's like, okay, it's interesting to hear Wyatt Thompson, the voice of the Wildcats, say that because we've all, you know, you don't want to overhype it. You don't want to overstate, right, the impact a true freshman can have because that's not really fair to him. But, man, the way everybody's talked about him, I'm not that surprised they put him in. And what it tells me, Tommy, is the red shirt's irrelevant, right? Like, they want Avery Johnson to be prepared now 
to get meaningful snaps just in case something happens. And we saw him come in. We saw him, you know, make defenders uh, look the way some high school defenders looked against him. I don't think people realize how fast he is. And and he's, he threw the ball pretty well, right? He, was, he only threw it four times, but he completed three of those passes. Uh, you know, it's it's the dual threat nature of it that that gets you really excited about Avery, and he has a freaking missile launcher. But he looked fine, and and I think more than anything that tells us that he's going to be a factor all year. I don't think he. I don't think they're even considering redshirting him. No, and I think that we need to get out of our heads that he's going to redshirt. I mean, I, I just don't. I don't see it happening. And the fact that he, I never saw the point of it. By the way, like why? Yeah. I, I think the only reason people thought it is because Will Howard's great, right? And you don't need right. him, but they're going to need him. I think it also shows that you know Avery Johnson, at least as far as what the coaching staff is evaluating, is head and shoulders better than Jake Rubley is for that backup role. You know, and and nothing against Jake Rubley. I mean, Jake Rubley has you know, done some things to, had a great camp, you know, to, to benefit that program, uh, you know, over the time that he's been there. But the fact that when, you know, Will Howard is pulled out of the game and Kansas state is up by like five touchdowns and they go to Avery Johnson and not Jake Rubley in a game that really doesn't matter. And especially at that point in the game doesn't matter. And they could have easily put Rubley in there to finish out the game. And they went to Avery Johnson yeah, it tells me that they have no intention of redshirting him whatsoever this season, and they feel like he can make an impact on this program right now. So I don't know if the extent of Avery Johnson's involvement in this offense is going to be if Will Howard gets injured at some point or if they're going to try to find ways to include him as part of this offense throughout the majority of the season. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if there's you know, a designed package of plays that, you know, work really well with his skill set where they can throw him out there and, you know, maybe use his legs, use that dual threat component that he's got. Or if we're looking at a situation where, you know, he's basically just going to be primed and ready to go if something ends up happening to Will Howard. But regardless, they plan on having him be, in my mind, a, a pretty valuable member of this offense. I don't think a red shirt is even on the table right now. No, I don't I don't either. And I think that, you know, whether it was ever considered I, I don't know, but they're they're not to me it doesn't make any sense to play him against SEMO if you're thinking about that, because if you, you, you would need to be able to retain right that eligibility. So yeah, I think it's just a I think it's just a you know, a tell that hey, we we ain't gonna redshirt Avery Johnson. It doesn't make any sense to because you know what what is the situation for K State in reality, Tommy? You don't redshirt him. He's your starter for at least two years and maybe three, right? Depending on how things go. Like, what's the point anyway, right? Because if he's the kind of player that you think he might be, and they probably are seeing, like, uh, okay, this this guy isn't gonna like. It wouldn't. Be, it would be a disservice to him. Like, if he's really as good as we think yeah. he might be, like, we're not gonna try and hold him back. He's going to play the minimum, and he's going to go on. Because if he redshirts, it's not like he can't get to the NFL any faster. You redshirt him if you think they're a guy like Will Howard who might be in the program for a long time. I don't think anybody thinks Avery Johnson's going to be that kind of a player. He's, he's got the, the raw ability to show better than that. So, okay, well, all bets are off. We think we're good enough to win the Big 12 this year. Let's get Avery Johnson ready to help us this year. Because he can. If Will Howard wins a Heisman, Avery Johnson can help this team. 
because you can just do little package things. The the run he scored on, like, okay, let's give him, you know, maybe you give him a red zone package. Maybe you give him a, you know, whatever, an end of half pack, whatever it is that can, you know, bring that dual threat nature to it. And, and the harsher reality is K-State knows better than anybody, Tommy. You would better have more than one person ready to play quarterback. When was the last year K-State did not deal with a significant quarterback injury? It's been a while. I, I, I feel like I've covered this team for a decade now. I think that's about right. I don't remember a season they ever made it through without needing a backup quarterback at some point, right? Like one guy hasn't been able to just come in and go all the way through. So if that's the case, and you think that you're good enough to win the Big 12, and clearly they are, right? The Big 12 did not have a great weekend. Then, yeah, okay, let's let's just be the best we can be this year. And, like, why are we so worried about what happens four years from now when Avery Johnson's showing us in practice, he's not that kind of player anyway. Like, let's go. Let's get this thing ready. Students were appropriately excited. And what, what the only thing that'll be interesting to watch is, like, don't get so overhyped that you're like, uh, like th- this is Will Howard's show. Like, don't don't ever misunderstand that. Will Howard looked great. Will Howard, the things he did last year are so perfect for this team. Like, just like Avery Johnson can basically be what Adrian Martinez was, right? When Will Howard was going so well, is this change of pace quarterback? It works. It it works for K State. So I'm excited about it. That was fun and interesting and cool and unexpected and just like okay. Here we go. The Avery Johnson era has begun at the same time as, you know, they got a Heisman candidate. And it really was like it was an almost perfect game script for K-State. Like what you wanted to see as a fan, like it was all there for us. Yeah. And I mean, I really do think that there is going to be moments, especially once you get into Big 12 play late in the season, where you're going to have to have Avery Johnson, you know, doing what he does to really have this program be the best version of itself. Um, You know, Will Howard is is great. And and I think that is a guy that, I mean, we've talked about his pro prospects and and what he did last season. And even the way he looked against SEMO was really, really good. That's awesome. Uh, But what Johnson does as a change of pace, that was the phrase you learned or that you used. I think we learned that over the weekend that just the different kind of abilities that he has the touchdown run that he had, he looked, he looked incredible. And I just picture, you know, you get into, I don't know, late November and you know, you're, you're battling for a big 12 uh, regular season championship, or you're, you're going to go into the big 12 title game or whatever. And it, the, the game's going to be tight against whoever you're playing. Yeah. It'd be great to have Avery Johnson in there to give you what he does and, and be that change of pace. And so I think it makes total sense. I was not, um, I wasn't upset when I saw him. I was like, okay, here we go. Like they're not going to redshirt him, and I didn't think that was the wrong decision. I think it's no, I don't I think, think they it's basically the wrong decision either. they basically believe like, look, like let's go right now for us to be the best version of ourselves. We need Johnson in there. Yeah, it's not the wrong decision. It's it's the right decision. I'm I'm totally and completely on board with the decision. One more thing to think about, like K-State, it's not that they're winning because Avery Johnson's going to create an interesting window for them. We know they just had one of the best recruiting classes they've ever had. I'm not sure that they're going to be in as good 
opportunity to win the Big 12 next year as they are this year. Now, they could be. They could get transfers. They could do all these things. But there is a little bit, right? Like, there's there's this – you can break it apart. This team returns enough, absolutely, with the offensive line coming back, with the – you know with what looks like the defense having enough, even without, you know, the the draft guy. They sent three guys to the NFL draft. People have t- talked about their depth. The running back room looks fine. You, you know, maybe it's different than Deuce Vaughn, but it's still really dynamic and good. If Garcia's there, like, it's hard to imagine on September 5th, Tommy, like, oh, yeah, they'll be right back here next year. No, this is another, like— it's not it's not the overall window but you, this is a year to strike if you're K-State. And so that that's a part of it too. Like take advantage of this year. Maybe you have one year of like a reload with Avery Johnson and then you have, you know, however many after that. But don't don't look to the future to spite what you have now. And what they have now is a team that should contend for another Big 12 title. And if Avery Johnson helps them achieve that now, which clearly he will, then then do it. I mean, it, that that makes the decision easier. Like, he makes their team better this year, and their team this year has a chance to win a Big 12 title. Why not? What are you waiting for? Like, who cares? Who cares about four years from now? Because the other reality is, and Colin Klein, you know, if this continues, isn't going to be there in five years, I don't think. Not, not in this current role. But Chris Kleiman will be, or one of them will be. And right now they have a track record, or they just got, they, they can, they can get quarterbacks ready to roll. So use him if he helps you now, because now it looks like what what did we see? I mean, Oklahoma looked fantastic, but what did we see this weekend that tells us K State shouldn't contend for a Big Twelve title this year? Nothing. So nothing. use Avery Johnson now. Yeah, not nothing. I mean, you go through the roster of the teams that played in the Big Twelve. Obviously, TCU has some issues. Sure, I thought te- you know Texas looked fine, but they didn't they look dominant. Fine. Uh, you know, I think OU probably had the the most impressive, or not impressive, but most dominant win of the weekend in the conference. But really, like that wasn't anything that you know didn't tell me much about the the Sooners. I don't think Oklahoma State didn't look great. Baylor looked really bad. Texas Tech lost. You know, so at the end of the day, I mean, there's nothing after Week One in the Big Twelve that tells me that Kansas State shouldn't be right back in this position to be competing for a Big Twelve championship this season. Yeah, I'm so excited for it. Again, you'll hear all their games here on KFH. It's going to be a blast. I I loved it. That was that was as fun as a, a you know pre not preseason but early season Semo game as you could get. Troy will probably be better than Semo. I'm gonna tell you, down fifteen and a half points. The way that defense looked, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in on the Cats again this week. What about KU? We'll talk about them. Uh, a little bit later in the second hour, I want to make sure we have plenty of time to talk. KU will have Dan Israel at the top of the hour, so KU fans, hang in there. We're gonna we're gonna get to KU in the second hour, so that we've got a full segment on it. When we come back, Tommy, let's talk about some of the other storylines of college football in Week One. What did we see? Any any tells on you know big picture? What it could be? Clemson lost last night. Florida State won the marquee game. The Big Twelve struggled in some games. What's out there in the college football world? We'll talk about it all next on Sports Daily. Okay, take it easy. We're going in the air. This is Sports Daily on KFH. 
All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily on KFH. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor here with you. Jad Chambers, made in that IHOP hotline. Glad to be with you on this day. That IHOP hotline is brought to you by IHOP, where guests can enjoy four new sweet and savory biscuit options. Congratulations to Dixie for winning some HTO. We'll give away some Pentatonics tickets as well on this hour. Tommy, of we talked about Colorado. What what was the other biggest storyline? Not KU, not K State, not Colorado. Like what of all the other things that happened stood out to you the most? Probably Florida State beating LSU. I mean, that was of, of course the most marquee game uh, of the weekend on Sunday night. And I think just what Florida State was able to do offensively, um, to me, number one shows that they should run all over the ACC. And number two, it shows that, you know, maybe LSU isn't quite what we thought that they were. So, you know, that was probably the, the biggest storyline uh, for me, uh, because, of course, like you look at the, the remainder of like the, the top teams in college football, not a lot of them had big challenges. I mean, Georgia didn't, Alabama didn't, Michigan didn't, uh, you know, so I think that that was probably the biggest storyline. Yeah, I look, I, I think I'm I think I'm there with that. I was watching sort of conferences Florida State I I did not expect Florida State to look I've said LSU was one of my favorite bets so I tip of the cap to Florida State for sure timing is good for them too with all the realignment stuff Um, the Pac-12 I've you know I've heard that this is supposed to be like the best year the Pac-12's had maybe in the you know the in the CFP era Oregon State looked great Colorado we talked about Oregon scored 81 points Washington looked really good against Boise State. Cal smoked North Texas. That was a game that was interesting going in. USC really flexed a little bit. UCLA handled their business. Arizona was dominant. Washington State was dominant over Colorado State. Uh, Stanford got a big win on the road in Hawaii. Utah got the big win over Florida in one of the marquee games of the week. And Arizona State survived. Everybody won. In the Pac-12, and some of those were really impressive wins, a la Oregon State over San Jose State. Uh, you know that was a that was a decent opponent. Nevada's had some good years. Cal over North Texas, top to bottom, it was a really strong week for the Pac-12. The, it, it's going to be really sad, I think, in a lot of ways, if this ends up being the best year we've seen out of the Pac-12 in a long time, and it's basically the last year of the Pac-12 we see. Uh, because I think that would have probably changed the outcome to some degree had they had a good year uh, before that. On the flip side, the Big 12, you know, Oklahoma looked great. TCU did not. Um, Texas, okay. Uh, the new the new teams looked okay, but you had Baylor losing at home. You had Houston barely surviving. Um, West Virginia, nobody expected to beat Penn State, no big deal. And then, of course, you had... You know, you had Texas Tech going to Wyoming and losing. I don't know how on earth Wyoming pulled a opening game at home against a Big 12 opponent, but they did, and they got it done. This was supposed to be Tech's year. So as good as the Pac-12 looked, Big 12, not so much. Yeah, th- there were certainly some upsets in the Big 12 that I think are concerning, um, and, and it starts with Baylor. Uh, that game against Texas the State, worst. Yeah. I mean, they, they looked really, really bad. Uh, and so there are some major questions about the, the Bears program, uh, I think, moving forward. Texas Tech, I mean, you and I were texting about it 
I mean, the fact that, you know, Tech went and played a true road game in week one against a, a program like Wyoming and Craig Bull has built a great program with the Cowboys. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, 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 that was a challenge from the beginning for Texas Tech. And, and it looked like the Red Raiders were going to roll. And then all of a sudden, Wyoming came back and beat them in double overtime. So certainly some questions in the Big 12. Oklahoma State didn't look very good. Uh, you know, who else? Houston barely won. Yeah. I mean, Houston. like Oklahoma they, State, they, we didn't really know about. The thing about Tech that's really disappointing is they're supposed to have this great year, right? It's not going to impact their, and this is what drives me absolutely nuts about the current state of how we determine our national champions. Tech could still win the Big 12. If Tech runs the table the rest of the year, I don't think they'd get into the CFP because everyone said they lost to Wyoming. No. Sorry. We'll take a two loss SEC yeah. team instead. And that's, that's what sucks about the current format. Because if you're in Lubbock, it's like, well, there goes the season. We're done. We have no shot at a national championship. Right. You're telling me that's good for the sport? It's not. 869-1240 uh, is the number to call. Uh, we'll come back, and we'll have Dan Israel uh, for the first time, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network. Looking forward to that conversation. All things Chiefs coming. Uh, and we'll get into KU's win in their opener as well. Uh, with no Jalen Daniels, I think Jayhawk fans should be pretty, you know, They should be fine with that game when Jalen Daniels didn't play. We'll have it all for you in hour number two of Sports Daily coming right up.